welcome to the RuPaul's Drag Race Recap Show for Season 6, Episode 11, titled Glitterball. My name is Joe Batanz, and I am joined, as always, by one Maleficent co-host. From the podcast pod is my co-pilot. Please say... Whatever, queen. I should pick your ass just for being a cunt. (laughs) (laughs) To Taylor, the latte boy. Hello, Taylor, the latte boy. Hello, Joe. What do you know? We just had a really good time playing an app called HQ. It's a live game show. I think it came out now. It's probably been like two weeks maybe by now or a week. I don't know. Very, very This was my first time playing it. It was was fun. Yeah. A friend of mine who lives in the Silicon Valley was the one who turned me on to it. And because he wanted – because – so I'm going to give you my code. Please use the offer code Chronoside, K-R-O-N-O-S-I-D-E when signing up. And it gives me extra lives. Or you can put Taylor's in. What's yours, Taylor? P-I-M-C Taylor. Yeah. Put one of our codes in. That that gives us extra lives. You get nothing, by the way. But um, it's a live game show. You get a chance to win real cash. Now, Taylor, you had the question, how are they making money if they're just giving away cash? My suspicion is, is they're right now we're because the app's in its very early stages. They're mm-hmm. just trying to get as many people as possible. So they're just throwing cash. I bet you at some point, once they get people hooked in, that's when there's going to be like you can buy extra lives, or uh, they, you know, you watch an ad and you get an extra life. Or I was going like to that. say that's probably the best way to do it is halfway through because because they, they ask twelve questions over the course of. You're right. It went. It was like five minutes. But halfway through, they'll say, and we'll be right back after these messages, and we'll have to watch a 15-second commercial for trained air conditioning or Home Depot or something like that. But they need, to get, they need to get – right now, I mean, if you think about it, yes, it was a lot of – it was 13,000 people playing today. But, like, that's not a lot, you know? No, it's not a lot now. But at some point, if they have tons and tons of people, they're going to have to up the money. Yeah. So we went from 13,000 people to nine winners at the end. Well, on Sunday night, it was $1,250. Oh, so it's a different amount every night? Yeah, every game. Oh. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, and then also if no one wins one day, it rolls over to the next day. Okay. I was going to ask, what happens if, if everybody gets, uh, nobody gets yeah, the Yeah, when I right? watched it on, when I played, the first time I played on Friday, no one got it and it rolled over to Saturday or something. Okay. So, yeah. So the prize builds up. Anyway, Taylor, how are you doing? It's going to be weird because, you know, Taylor and I usually talk about our days, but this is our second episode in a row recording. We've already just done. We just, if you've listened already to episode 10, Drag My Wedding, Taylor and I are, you're, even though you're hearing this a week later, Taylor and I are immediately recording this after that episode 10 uh, recording. So yes. how have you been in this last few minutes, Taylor? I've been fine, but I have something that is kind of an evergreen topic. Yeah, go that ahead. I was going to talk with you about at some point, mm-hmm. and then I thought, I'm going to save this for an episode. Sure. And it speaks to something that we love. Food. Namely, the Golden Girls. Oh, okay? interesting. Okay. Because I woke up the other night, as I do, from, you know, a crippling anxiety attack at, you know, mm-hmm. three in the morning. And the first thing that went through my head was a theory that I have about Blanche Devereaux. Sure. Now, you've been watching Golden Girls for a while. I thought I remembered that you started from the beginning and you've been slowly watching them on Hulu. Yeah, and I'm, I'm towards the end of season four. And for some reason, I stopped. But I should probably resume. Okay. So, I'm scared because I feel like you and Sweet Michael have warned me that when you get to like season six, it's just, it just like, starts to go downhill, right? Or like... <laughs> 
Some of them, however, and I know that the plan is at some point we're going to do a Golden Girls themed episode. Yeah. One of my all time favorite episodes is in, I want to say, season seven. Okay. But we'll we'll get to that later. So Blanche Devereaux, when you think of Blanche Devereaux, what is the first thing that comes to mind? Whore. <laughs> okay. Sleeps with a lot of men, right? Yeah. Okay. So, and she also was somebody that very much loved her husband, George. Yes. And George died. Yeah. And another thing that is established throughout the series, whereas Rose has a great relationship with her kids and Dorothy has a good relationship with her kids, Blanche does not have a good relationship with her children. Sure. So I'm wondering if the reason that she sleeps with as many men as she does is that she is constantly craving the affection that she would normally be getting from her children. As far as that feeling of love and that feeling of connection, she doesn't get it from her adult children and even her grandchildren, who she doesn't seem to get along with. So she reaches out to the men of Miami, the men of 1985 Miami, to receive that attention. This is the type of shit that I literally wake up in the middle of the night and that was the first thing that went through my head and I sat and thought about it for about 20 minutes one night. But, okay, but I want to not throw a wrench in your theory, but I want to add more to it here. And what okay. I want to ask you is, where do you think Big Daddy falls in all of this? Oh, I forgot about Big Daddy. For those of you who don't know, Big Daddy is her father and she has a very strange relationship with him. It's not incestuous, but... She definitely... She was daddy's little girl. She was daddy's she, little girl. Remember, he's going to get married to some young thing, and she gets mm-hmm. really upset. Yes. And she, and she is very, very, like, worships the ground that her father walks on. So, well, but I mean, even then you figure when Big Daddy comes to visit, the first time Big Daddy comes to visit, and he is going to become a country singer, and she tells him he's going to make a fool of himself and all that kind of stuff, there is still sort of a disconnect there. So... I am going to keep with my theory because I forgot about the dig mat the the dig batty mm-hmm. the big daddy part of that. Mm-hmm. But I just I I I just thought if anybody could understand what I'm talking about, it would be you. But do you think perhaps that she sleeps with all these men to try and fill the void, or not? The, she's always going for her daddy's affection, and she's trying to fill that. That may be that. Well, I think you add that on top of that. She does not have a really any time they introduce a member of her family. There's always some sort of conflict. Even the gay brother Clayton, Mm -hmm. she gets along with him until she figures out that he's gay. And then that becomes a big that becomes a big thing. Like like she is very Blanche is very judgmental as to how other people live their lives. And I can't help but feel like she is projecting this feeling of inadequacy and that she is judged by others. So she 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 does not she's not able to have a good relationship with any of her kids. I mean, she had the daughter that was very overweight. Mm -hmm. And then that same daughter eventually, I think, was the one that became artificially inseminated, but it was played by a different actress. Um, Oh, well, Big Daddy was played by two different actors because the first one died. Right. Right. And then there is Clayton, the brother. There is uh, Virginia, her sister, the one that wants the kidney. And mm-hmm. then Charlene, Charlene. I think there was Charlene. Well, no, Charlene. Charlene was on Designing Women. But there was there was another sister as well that the, the sisters all didn't get along. There is the um, the grandson that wants to party while he's in town. Mm-hmm. 
that I used to have a big crush on when he was on Parker Lewis Can't Lose. Um, I forget his name. I occasionally IMDB him to see what he looks like now as an adult. Uh, and there was the granddaughter that came to visit and immediately started dating. Like she was, she was constantly out on dates when she was supposed to be there visiting for like a college yeah. visit or uh, something like dates. that. She was fucking these guys. Well, okay. She was banging all these different guys and, yeah. and the one was going to take her to the Bahamas for yeah. the weekend and how that was a big deal in 1985 because yeah. no one had been to the Bahamas. <laughs> um, I'm trying. I know there are other family members, but I, I just at one point that just kind of popped in my head, and my first thought was, "This is a very interesting theory." And my second thought was, "I need to share this with Joe Batanz one day." Now, have you analyzed the? Uh, have you psychoanalyzed or done any kind of analysis on any other sitcom characters? Not to that degree. <laughs> at four in the morning, in the middle of an anxiety attack. <laughs> you know what would be great is if you analyzed Fraser Crane. Frasier was one of those shows that I felt like I was supposed to like more than I actually did. I tried watching Frasier, and there were episodes of Frasier that I thought were very funny, but there was other episodes that I just kind of thought, this is sort of the same thing over and over again. I was asked an interesting question by my co-host Taffy the other night at her house, where she said if I could only watch one sitcom and the the options were Golden Girls or Designing Women, which would I keep watching forever? And I said I immediately said Golden Girls. Mm-hmm. And then she said, "Okay, fine." And then this was the Sophie's choice for me: Golden Girls or the Mary Tyler Moore Show. Really, you know, I've seen my, more than a fair share of Mary Tyler Moore Show, but I haven't seen the entire run of the show. Like I feel, I feel like I've seen the the famous ones. Like the one mm-hmm. with the clown. Chuckles bites the dust. Chuckles bites the dust. You know, I've seen the, you know, the first episode and the last episode and a, a couple of important ones in between. But here's my question to you. Golden Girls or Too Close for Comfort? <laughs> oh, well, Team Monroe. I have to watch Too Close for Comfort. <laughs> no, clearly the Golden Girls. Are there any sitcoms right now or in recent memory that you feel come close to your love for the Golden Girls or Mary Tyler Moore show? I know you're a big fan of this Parks and Rec. Does that Parks and Rec would be one. Parks and Rec is definitely one. Um, The Office, I was a big fan. I was not a big fan initially of The Office, but over – I started watching it and like probably season three and then watched it all the way through to the end. Um. I was a big, I was a big, I, I've always been a must-see TV guy, or I was definitely through the heyday of that with, mm-hmm. starting with, like, Cosby Show and stuff like that, and going all the way to Friends and Will and Grace, and then eventually I, I just kind of stopped other than The Office, and then Parks and Rec, I hated the first season of Parks and Rec. I think a lot of then, people do. Yeah. Do I have, if I start Parks and Rec, can I just start with season two? Do I need season one? I would watch the first episode of season one and then you could jump to season two because the first episode kind of lays out the foundation for who everybody is. Mm -hmm. But the difference is that they definitely didn't have – nobody knew what to do with these characters. And the thing that I did not like about season one was that everybody was super mean to Leslie Nope, Mm -hmm. and it didn't make sense. They all kind of made fun of her behind her back, whereas by season two they recognize that – it was more fun to kind of make fun of her, like, in a way that was, the, 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 well, that's the way Leslie is, and that's what we love about her, even though she drives us nuts. 
and then that's that's where the 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 group started to gel. Well, don't you me. think? I remember watching the first episode of Parks and Rec and being like, meh, because yeah. it was started and run by people who used to be on work on The Office, and it right. kind of had that feel of like she's Michael Scott, and this is The Office Part Two. Well, yeah, Parks and Rec was supposed to be an office spinoff. It was supposed to be a direct spinoff where the characters were supposed to come from. Does it take the place office. in Pennsylvania? No, it takes place in Pawnee, Indiana. Oh, okay. And it ju- it just was. They eventually kind of went with a completely different format for it. And Parks and Rec is one of those sitcoms that there are episodes that I actually tear up when I watch them. That they're they're oh, so really? well done, and you really fall in love with some of the characters. Are you watching this? Uh... This uh, Will and Grace, this new Will and Grace, yeah. Oh, how is it? Uh I want the the latest episode felt the closest to a Will and Grace episode, the old stuff that which was the episode about the uh, the Jack's grandson goes to a I almost said a concentration camp, but that's not wait a Jack's grandson. Camp. Yes, Jack has a grandson. That was the big reveal. Are you and okay? he's like eight or nine, and he's clearly gay. Mm-hmm. And he, the Elliot, the one that played the son on the TV show, and his very conservative wife, they're sending their son to a conversion camp. And it's there's parts of it that are very that are very sweet, but there are also parts of it like like they haven't figured out. Honestly, they haven't figured out what to do with Will and Grace yet. It seems like they, they don't know what to do with them, where they come put them in these weird, stupid situations, and they're focusing on Karen and Jack more. But that's what that's the way the end of that show always was. It turned into the Karen and Jack show. Right. But it's just it just is I don't know. I, I mean I'm watching it. It's it's I think it's only like twelve the first season's only like twelve episodes. Yeah. I'll watch it through and they seem to be slowly getting better, but it's not it's not like, oh, I can't wait to watch Will and Grace. It's kinda like, oh, I have a Will and Grace on Hulu. And I watch Brooklyn Nine Nine. That that is funny to me too. This week, the girls play with puppets and put together their outfits for the glitter ball. Meanwhile, the story producers and editors try their best to make something happen during this episode, but in the end, everyone failed as the episode trudged along at a snail's pace. On the main stage, the girls have to name who should go home, and by unanimous decision. Darian Lake is voted the contestant favorite to go home. RuPaul, in keeping with tradition, disregarded the popular vote <laughs> and told Ben de la Creme to sashay away. Taylor, name two things you liked about this episode and one thing you did not. Well, unlike the last episode, I have more. Th- I actually have a group of things that I like about this episode. Um, I I love I love. Uh, I'm trying to think of the first thing I want to say. I, I love have so many things. Sync. I can't name one thing. No, I shut up. I I I love the, I love the lip sync. I thought the lip sync was just like we got a a really good lip sync between these two contenders before. I thought this lip sync between the two of them, particularly Darian, and maybe it's because she's chubby like Kelly Clarkson, but it felt very much like you oh, were. I think watching. Kelly Clarkson's chubbier, don't you think? Than Darian Lake? No, Darian Lake is. <laughs> Is a big girl. <laughs> Kelly Clarkson is just kind of chubby right now. I yeah. like a chubby pop star. I, I, I'm I'm mm-hmm. I'm happy for Kelly. Cl- Kelly Clarkson's one of those that I always kind of smile when I see her, um, because you know, like she makes you look thinner when you stand next to her. <laughs> <laughs> You're a dick. Um, let's see. What is something else that I liked? Well, I mean, to kind of skip ahead a little bit, 
I loved all of Adora's looks. All three of Adora's looks. This was Adora. Adora should have won, regardless of the controversy of sewing or not. Mm-hmm. This is this is one I loved all three of her looks. And something I did not like. I hate when they do the whole, you know, which one of you should go home. That's just, that's not, that that that's just trying to stir up drama towards the end of a season when there's not a lot of drama. Which I guess is why she asked that question. But I just... When she asked the question and Courtney went, oh, God, or oh, shit, that that's kind of was my reaction, too, to that. What about you? Uh, okay. Um, number one thing that I like. I like that uh, Bianca Del Rio was super excited for Bob Mackie to judge her. And then Bob mm-hmm. Mackie read her to filth. <laughs> that is that is good. Okay. I do like that. Um, I do. I did like... <laughs> Um, that never even occurred to me until right now. That's, that, that is that is very good. Oh, I think this is the first puppet challenge. I think this is actually one of the stronger puppet challenges. They were all actually, except for Courtney's, they were all actually pretty good. But even Courtney recovered from her bomb. Yeah. And then what I didn't like was, I didn't like Bianca's weird. I, I've tried to look at it from an editing thing standpoint, but I, I can't even see that. Where when they were naming who should go home, and Bianca, I felt, was kind of... Gross. In fact, the part where it said, please say blankety blank the tail of the latte boy, mm-hmm. uh, that came from that speech and it seemed really kind of like an ugly moment. And I don't know how you, it didn't, it didn't seem like anyone was laughing and it didn't seem like it was being played for laughs. Well, and especially towards the end when she did the eh, <laughs> yeah. it's just like, oh, that that that's immature. They address that in Untucked, where oh, they there do. seems to be yeah, there seems to be a genuine aren't you glad I pulled the clip? Um where they they seem to address that in that there seems to be a genuine moment of apology on Ben's part, where she she acts the way you would hope an adult would act, where she says, I am really sorry, I chose my words incorrectly when I said that, that it was not my intention. And Bianca, in a confessional, says, you know, I recognize that I probably reacted too quickly and too harshly, and that, you know, if she can forgive me for acting out at her, I can forgive her for what she said. Bianca did kind of sail through. No, I... I don't necessarily disagree with maybe, that. Maybe not in every challenge, but some of the challenges. Mm-hmm. There was like, hmm. well, if we're going to do a stand-up comedy challenge and an insult comic is in the middle of the contestants, yeah, they should have just handed her the win and saved everybody. But they saved, never... saved the, the money for the transportation for those old folks to come from the senior home. I feel like Santino said it one time, but she didn't really get read that much for how much all her dresses looked alike, her silhouettes. Mm, wait till next week's episode. Oh. After Jocelyn's elimination, Adore is worried because she's been in the bottom two twice in a row. Bianca accepts her congratulations as the winner of the previous challenge, and Darian is bitter that she was not placed higher in the wedding makeover challenge. I'm mad as hell that I'm in the bottom three. Did I think I outperformed Courtney in that challenge? Yes. I blame it on that goddamn Doogie Howser and his little, you know, Val Kilmer knockoff boyfriend. Uh, oh, he's a doctor. <laughs> Your daughter should be so lucky. <laughs> uh, you know, I would, I would, we don't have a discussion point here, but I actually don't see where I would bring this up anywhere else. You know what was kind of really distracting to me on this episode? What? I don't know did, did if... Courtney got a haircut, or maybe because her hair is longer, even though her hair is different from this person. 
she looked in this episode only. It's the first time. It's the first time and the only time I've ever seen this. So much like Cameron. Really? Yeah, there were a lot of Cameron esque qualities about her where I kept looking like, oh my god. And I, I watched this episode twice. So I thought the first time I was like, you know what, you're seeing it, you know. But yeah. the second time I was like, no, there maybe because her hair is longer. Again, they have they have the same color hair but different kind of hair. Yeah. And I was like, oh, there's just it. It's just there's a not a, not like they look alike, but almost they look related. For those of you listening, okay. Cameron's my ex boyfriend, and I um, it was distracting. It didn't bother me. I didn't get sick to my stomach. I didn't get sad. I know, I, you know, I'm not. I know that Cornyak's not my ex boyfriend, but or is she? But <laughs> um, it was just distracting. Does that make sense? Well, yeah, but I think that would be unique. To you for that, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I expect you like that. Look, I'd be weirded out if you like if you were like, don't you think that Courtney looked like Cameron? <laughs> oh my god, I just watched episode eleven. Are you okay? <laughs> I know. <laughs> the next day, Courtney claims to have predicted the final five, and RuPaul enters the workroom to announce this week's mini challenge. Now, in the heat of competition, a lot of unexpressed feelings can get bottled up. So for today's mini challenge, I want to do some therapeutic role play. And we're going to do it with puppets. (laughs) (laughs) Because everybody loves puppets. (laughs) First up, Adore Delano played Ben Delacreme. Hi, Ben Delacreme. How are you? Honestly, like, I'm really good. It's just I don't understand why the judges say that my outfits look costumey. <laughs> so what do you use to cover your eyebrows? Oatmeal. <laughs> I'll teach you how to cover up your hog body if you help me blend. Okay, I swear you're amazing and perfect. Thank you. <laughs> Okay, like the comedy challenge, let's try this. And I'm gonna and, okay. I'm gonna and I'm gonna keep track here. Let's and I'm gonna do scores. Let's see. Maybe we can figure out we know who wins, but let's see if we can do it. Um Joe Taylor. Adore. How many lipsticks would you give Adore's puppet? I would give it a strong three out of out of how many? Ten? Or five? Five. Let's, let's five. say five. All right. Um, I would say four. Mm, four. I'll say four. Okay. I you know what? I agree with you. Four. Yeah. Because I, I, I like, I like the vocal fry voice. <laughs> yeah. It was actually a pretty, know, a pretty good impression. It is a pretty good impression. Yeah. And she had stuff to say. All right. So we both give her four. Next up, Bianca Del Rio as Adore Delano. Adore, I'm really nervous because I think you can see your dirty pantyhose. <laughs> Party, fuck. <laughs> You're so cool, cool, cool. <laughs> I'm a Libra. <laughs> cool, fuck. Party. Bianca Del Rio, how many lipsticks tail latte boy? Two. Two. I didn't think that was very funny. I'm going to give it a three. We we are missing though the one. There's a lot of reading towards Darian this episode, and when Courtney has to pull the Darian doll out because it's the last one left, she says, "I hope the hole is big enough." Yeah, but that's not part of the challenge. It doesn't count towards it. I know, but we didn't talk about that, and that was there's a couple of reads towards Darian that both Babalu and I laughed at, and that was definitely one because fat jokes are funny. Well, then hold on with Darian Lake, please. Nope. 
Hold on as Darian Lake took a crack at Courtney Act. Well, Courtney, I love your dress. Uh, thank you, Dazzle. I'd love to compliment you on something, but everything you wear is so damn hideous. <laughs> it's not that your clothes are ugly. It's just you're misshapen. <laughs> okay. Wow, Courtney. You could probably glue down that lace front there. Oh, no, that's just your skin that's wrinkled. Well, I'm the oldest living twink in history. <laughs> well, you got that twink body. You could probably do a couple of squats to tighten up that ass. <laughs> you look like a wallaby. <laughs> Taylor, how many lipsticks for... How many lips? Two. Two. Yeah, yeah, was, I agree. Wasn't... I agree. I have two. Oh, because she kind of uses an opportunity to read Courtney. Of course, after the statement about maybe the hole's big enough, that might have been why she made the comments about her ass. Mm-hmm. But it just didn't seem it just it just wasn't as it wasn't playing to the character. It was playing to read the read the contestant. Okay, next Courtney Act did her best, Darian Lake. Hi Darian, how are you? Hi, I'm Darian Lake! So Darian, tell me, you've, have you had a fun time on RuPaul's Drag Race? I've had a great time, Courtney! What's been your least favorite part? Mm, probably the guest judges. Oh. Neil Patrick Harris hates me. Oh. And what about his boyfriend? I told him he could use a dollar fifty to go ride the bus. <laughs> I'm finding it really hard to make you funny, Darian. It's just like real life. <laughs> I'm going to go check the internet for some jokes. I don't have any Wi-Fi here, so I'm finding it very difficult to be funny. <laughs> Taylor the Latte Boy, lipsticks. Courtney Act. One. Yeah, I agree. It's a one. I agree with that. And then finally, Ben De La Creme. Hi there, Bianca. How are you doing today? Terrible! These people are a bunch of assholes! <laughs> oh, well, Bianca, what a thing to say. Baloney! Now, Bianca, your dress looks gorgeous today. Well, thank goodness, because I have 50 of the same dress in different fabric. <laughs> Bianca, tell me a little bit about how you're feeling in this competition. All these people are idiots and assholes. Adora's an idiot. Zayla's got a stupid voice. Santino's asshole is loose. <laughs> oh, Bianca... <laughs> Looks like your lace front is coming off. Baloney! I have no problems! I live in New York! I work all the time! <laughs> Baloney! Ah, <laughs> Taylor the Latte Boy, your lumber of lipsticks for Ben de la Creme. Three? What? Four? I don't know. You can give whatever you want. I'm giving a solid four. Even maybe a five, but I'll give it a four. Uh, I wouldn't give it a five. Because it's just kind of saying baloney over and over. Baloney and assholes all over again. But at four, I would say four. So so in your head, well, the, the way we have it, Adore and Ben tied. Yeah. I would I, the, Listening to all of them again, I would say Adore and Ben tied. Okay. Uh, with Bianca far behind in second. I'm third. Mm-hmm. And then Darian and Courtney in the, in the, with a two. Yeah, lipsticks. All right. Any other thoughts on the puppet challenge you wanted to bring up right now? I think uh, the puppet challenges have been done better by other seasons after this. Uh, Was this the first? Was this the first season they did a puppet? I get the sense it was because she says the whole because everybody loves puppets. Where now they say it for her like it's a whole saying. Uh, For some reason, I want to say they did it in season five. They may have. I don't remember. Because I feel like somebody, Roxy's was wearing a wig and then somebody took off the wig and there was another wig underneath. Oh, really? I, I, 
you know what's going to happen is we're going to get a comment from a listener. Uh, Nami, you know okay. Nami Harder. Nami Harder <laughs> is going to fucking email us. And, you know, you know I, I don't know if this person listens to the show, but, you know, we released a special All, all Stars. This is very unlike me, everybody. Mm-hmm. We released that special All Stars 3 Meet the Queens episode. Mm-hmm. Where I felt I was very thorough. And by the way, congratulations to us for being 100% right. Absolutely. Okay? But we even addressed the controversy about the cable channel lineup and the is it 12 queens now. It's supposed to be 10, blah, 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 right? Somebody on Twitter writes, hate to break it to you, but there are 12 queens. Don't believe everything on Reddit or something like that. Which, by the way, it came out on Reddit. There were maybe 12 queens. But whatever. And I just kind of wrote a cunty thing back. Did you see what I wrote? I didn't see what you wrote back. I kind of looked for it one day, and then I got I was at work, and I got distracted. But I just wrote back, hate to break it to you. That's all I wrote. Oh. Well, yeah, you told me about that. Yeah. I didn't, really, I didn't see it on the yeah. – I didn't see it on the message. So, so uh, But that is also unusual for you to kind of – Well, it was just like, look, clap back at us if we're wrong, right? We deserve it. Or give us more information. Actually, people, Nami and uh, company, did tell us that on um, they on Jinx Monsoon was just on What's the Tea with mm-hmm. RuPaul and talked about how the guy in the audience for the comedy show was the guy that she made over on her makeover challenge in season five. Yes. Yes, I know that. Do you know how I know that? We've had lots of people let us know about that. Oh, my but, God. How many emails did we get? And messages. We got emails and, and tweets. And, which I, but honestly, I kind of love that. Yeah. Because it shows that we have an awesome audience that wants to interact with us. And if they know that, they have this nugget of information. They want they want to cast it at us like the first stone. <laughs> yeah. And it's I, I actually love that. But there was – I was kind of like a, yes, we know at this point, you know. But but thank you to everybody who sent us messages and stuff. Somebody called to me, too. You. Someone they know personally, and they were like, did you know this? And I was like, yes. And I, I sound like a dick because I was like, yes, I, I knew that. But you guys have all told me, right? Uh, and, and by the way, I'm not mad about it. I'm not mad at any of it. Like, I was kind of mad with the Twitter guy. No, that's what I'm saying. Well, we got all of these messages. It, was, it wasn't like where I was doing the, uh, like, you know, another message. It was just like, oh, that's really cool that all of these people. Yeah. Have, I didn't realize that it was because she was just on What's the Tea. Yeah. So that information is really, really fresh. Yeah. I just thought that was something that just people knew. Yeah. And then I guess she was also in the audience, but I didn't, I didn't see her. I didn't notice her. Jinx was in the audience? Yeah. I think someone told us that, too. Yeah. Oh. I'll have to go back and watch it. Yeah. After naming Ben the winner of the mini-challenge, RuPaul announced this week's main challenge. For this week's main challenge, the house of RuPaul is throwing the first ever glitter ball. You need to serve three distinct looks. First category is Banshee Girl Bling. Second category is Platinum Card Executive Realness. And the last and shiniest of all category is... Dripping in jewels. Eleganza! Now, the only interesting event to take place during this episode was Adore Delano's emotional moment with RuPaul during the table visit. What can you show the judges to let them know that you are top three material? I just think, like, what I had in the beginning or whatever, like, it kind of got lost. 
I just get really like discouraged and like frustrated. <laughs> I don't want to be like the Chiona, like that cries all the time, but it just pisses me off because I feel like I'm so talented like in other things. So I'm just like, why can't like my brain like allow me to make a fucking dress? Right, right. It's like I don't want to lip sync again. I came here to be like top three and to fucking win it. Right, right. You know, one of the notes that I've given you a lot is that you have to learn to apply your great things, like in the, the rapping or the singing, you have to apply what you have there into the other challenges. Right. Put it in this fucking dress. You mm. hear what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. All right, Adore, you get back to work. Thanks. Sorry for crying all the time. Emotions don't scare me. <laughs> Thank you, Rue. All right. Taylor the Latte Boy, your thoughts on Adore's little emotional breakdown. I think it's I think it's insightful. I think it's very insightful on her part that she is able to recognize that you know when she said I'm losing, I feel like I'm losing that that's that's something that if I had somebody say that to me in a session, I would I would say that's a very insightful recognition of something. It's just a question of what you do with that information to kind of help you to push through. I think that this this little moment here, it just seems like a, m- a moment, but it's why the young kids are find Adora Delana so relatable. It's things that she says, too, that they probably feel like, I don't know why I am the way I am, or why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling, or I know I have the talent, but I'm not able to... Uh, demonstrate that talent, and I'd started off so good, and I'd, I'm not, I'm, I'm unable to tell you why I'm not able to make it happen anymore. And I think a lot of young people feel that frustration. That said, I do feel at a certain point, like yeah, Adore's like 23 or 22 here, but like mm-hmm. she's still playing that game now, and it's not cute anymore. Well, now, now four years later, you're right. It's not, and when you get into your late 20s mid to late 20s then that's there should be a little bit more of a path Mm -hmm. but at 23 what she is saying is completely within you know appropriate age related questioning and and concerns that she has as far as what what does what am i doing what 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 can i do to continue moving forward so that i don't get left behind Mm -hmm. because that's really what she's talking about is you know getting left behind so and she doesn't want that so she's got to figure out what she's going to do what were your thoughts on RuPaul's role in this? Because I actually, I almost used, I call it clip zero when I, I say, like, please say blankety, blankety, blank. I actually mm. had pulled her saying, emotions don't scare me. Yeah. Um, to, uh, I pulled and I replaced it with the other one. But um, I actually like that quote. And what are you, I, I know this is where you and I sort of veer off in different directions. And I'm sort of a fan of like new agey talk, but mm. I know you're not. So I was wondering. I, I didn't consider this to be new agey talk as much. I thought that what she said was just channeling, channeling that energy, channeling that drive that you have where you do other things so well. You can apply that to things that you struggle with. You know, she she seems to be able to especially, I mean, look at the wrapping challenge versus sewing. Wrapping, she was excited to do it. She kind of just went with it. And whether it's something she's done in the past and she's good at or she was just so excited by the challenge – she did amazing. If there is a way to kind of focus that energy and focus that emotion into the new project that you're working on, mm-hmm. 
that will take you further than if you allow yourself to just kind of sit with the uncertainty and the, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't want to do this. This is hard. I hate this. You're never going to go anywhere. But if you can apply that, even if it's where you sort of, you almost like fake it till you make it where, you know, you know what, I'm going to give this my all and I'm going to try and everything's going to be great and I'm going to be successful, you know, use the power of positive thinking. Mm-hmm. That will help you to go further, whether or not you, you know, she wins the challenge, which obviously she did win, but that was, that remained to be seen. But if you focus on it with that confidence and that enjoyment in something, you're going, it's going to be a better experience. The end result should be a better experience for you rather than focus on the uncertainty. And now it's time for the looks. Such a dick. Do you have nothing to say about that? Do you disagree? No, I don't disagree. I think you're right. I always like when you talk about this, but how am I going to go like, let me add to what you just said, mental health professional Taylor the Latte Boy. <laughs> I do this with my clients all the time when they talk about stuff that they're scared to do and all that kind of stuff. And I, we sit and we talk about it. And we're like, what part of this is scary? It's scary because. What do I do something. for you? Because, you know, like you're a mental health professional, Taylor. So I often will come to you with my mental health questions or sometimes I just, you know, unload on you like, um, you know, Nami Harder wrote to me about how I'm wrong and this makes me feel really sad. So um, what, 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 uh, what, what, what do I do for you? What do you get from me? Talk about me. I get, I, I, get, <laughs> I get to practice my mental health skills on people uh-huh. that I don't have to worry about charting. Yeah. Um, I from you, I get friendship. You and I, mm-hmm. you and I, I think one of the best things about doing the show with you is that you and I are friends now. Mm-hmm. Well, um, on your end. Yeah, well, especially when you consider how much I did not like you when you started doing oh, guys. <laughs> Mike Lawson didn't want to tell me my friend was all like. There's a podcaster who really does not like you. I don't want to tell you who it is because mm-hmm. he's a. Af- did you actually tell him that you were afraid that I would lash out at you? I might have. Yeah. I might have said that. He's like he's I afraid might've... that you'll lash out at him. Which, look, I've said this. I think five years ago, one or four, four and a half years ago, when I started that podcast with Mike Lawson, I probably would have. I was to quote me and all the drag queens. I was very extra in those early episodes. You know. Yeah. And um. I would say, yeah, but I think now I feel like my more gentle side has come out. Absolutely. That's why that is why I continue doing this show with you. If you if you were the guy from four and a half years ago, uh, season seven. Well, no, I wasn't even on season seven. Exactly. Season eight would have been it. So, no, I, I were you were you afraid at any point when, when you came on season eight or season seven that I would be like that? Or did you already know I wasn't like that? I already knew I already knew you. You and I had spent time together. In no, Vegas. I tried to talk to you in Vegas. and You're very like, ugh. no, that's not true. I really don't think that, that is not the case. That that is your that is your perception of it. It was not that I was like, ugh when I saw you, we will find out this year at the Pride 48 Expo. But well, we don't know if it's in Las Vegas. So we can't. We, we can't. We don't know. We don't yeah, know. That's, you're a little premature there. Give me. It, give me a couple of meetings, yeah. and then we can talk about it. It, it might um, be Las Vegas. It's his, let me, it let me, I'll say this. This is correct. Historically, it's been in Las Vegas. There's talk yes. of it changing this year. Yes, okay. and we will have more details about that later. But okay, so I have. We have friendship. That's something that I get from you. 
Um, toot. You very much. <laughs> oh, is this the answers that the answers I get a toot or a boot? <laughs> You're a dick. God. Um, I get. I I get I get you make me laugh. You there are times that I think it is abundantly clear to you through conversations that I do not want to do this show. There as far as record an episode, I'm usually tired or I'm overwhelmed or I just kind of don't want to and you always convince me to do it. And oh. not that you like not that you like beg me to do it. Right? That's not what I meant by that, but I just I kind of sign in and I do the heavy sigh before I turn on Hangout and inevitably you make me laugh so hard at something that i'm like well that this is this is why i do this on top of all the stuff from our listeners and all the the kind notes and the tweets and all that kind of stuff but that that is your comedy even when you are making fun of me actually i kind of almost prefer when you make fun of me is i i i adore you and your comedic sense of sense of style well, thank you, Taylor. That's very nice. And it's nice now to know that you've committed to our RuPaul's Drag Race recaps of All Stars 1 coming soon. With. We'll see. <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, Taylor Delante, boy, the looks. The looks. Okay. So we have five looks. We, technically, we have fifteen looks this week, but Joe threatened to kill himself if I made him look at all fifteen looks. Well, no. If, so I, look, if they were here in the official looks folder, I would have done yes. it. Yes, right. But I can. There are certain looks, both positive and negative, that are not of the five looks that I will bring up. And trust me, they will be memorable when I mention them to you. All right. So let's talk about Adore Delano first. Adore was assigned Diamond, and we're going to talk about her. We are going to talk about her official glitterazzi dress, which is a tutu and a bustier with like kind of like shag Andy Warhol hair and white platform boots. And then she had sort of a, a chain of her three looks. I liked this look. It was my least favorite of her three looks, though. I loved the banshee girl look, where she had the the, the thigh high sparkly boots, and she had on the pink furry jacket with the, with the little shorts and the and the the hair, the chola hair. She looked fucking hot as that. Um, also, her platinum card executive realness look, where she referred to herself as a business lesbian who sleeps with men on the weekend. Another very sexy look. A woman in a business suit is very sexy to me, and her straight hair, her straight kind of bob hair that she had with the little smart glasses, great, great look. So on the whole, I give Adore toot, toot, toot. I don't remember the looks, but I will say I like this look, but here's here's why I'm hesitating on the toot. As we've seen in the episode, Bianca helped her a great deal with this outfit. Yes. But it sounds like it was Adore's vision. Okay. And Adore, and it was Adore's vision as to what she wanted to do. And it was also Adore did the work for it. If Bianca came over and actually put that 2-2 thing together, that would be a completely different story. But ultimately, even though she said, what is, does this look okay? And Bianca went, no, that looks horrible. She was the one that put it all together. All right. So she should get credit for it. I'll give, in it, my I'll give it the two. I'm oh, sure but you know what I want to do? I, I can't do it, but you can do it. So hold on here for a second. I'll just turn over 
It's only going to be your scores here. So a door. Okay. So the first look, the second look, and the third look. How many lipstick for the first look? Out of the, five. The, the Banji girl? Yeah. Five. Five. Okay. Absolutely. How, five, five out of five. Executive realness? Five. Oh, wow. And the diamond? Four. Okay. Go, go, I'm sorry. I was almost taking over your part of the show. Go ahead. Sorry. That's okay. Um, next up is Darian Lake in Topaz. And Darian's... What is... Dar- Darian's look for Banji Girl was that horrible iridescent bodysuit with oh, the blue yeah. hair. Yeah. Awful. That, that was awful. Yes, I remember that one. That was just so like when you saw it. I mean, it was really, really bad. And it was not Banji. It was Rave Kid, which I definitely I agree with. Um her How many executive uh, for for that one. Okay. One. Um for her executive platinum card executive realness. I don't remember what she had on, but I remember I, actually it was very Lane Bryant. It mm-hmm. was something very off the rack. It was it was something that they had on what not to wear. I used to watch what not to wear years ago and every woman they had on, they had her in some sort of like leather jacket at some point, And that's kind of what it looked like. She sort of looked like Winona Judd in this outfit and it just was not a good look. So don't insult, I don't will, insult Darian like that. Why are you always insulting <laughs> Darian by comparing her to people who are fatter than she is? I think Darian is fatter than Winona Judd. Mm. I don't know. It doesn't matter. That was another look that I would give that I would give that look a one. This dress is horrible. This dress is it is kind of like a brownish color, like almost like a pudding brown. Mm-hmm. And then she has where she was trying to go for a Princess Leia thing, mm-hmm. but as she said on the runway. Her, the gems were too heavy, so it stretched everything out. And all it does is it literally makes an arrow to her fupa. And it's just not attractive or becoming at all. I would give this look... I would give this look a two lipsticks only because she makes reference to wanting to be Princess Leia slave, and I'm a huge Star Wars fan. Okay. So that is my thought on her. All right. So next up is Courtney Act. And Courtney's Banji girl look. I, okay, I take umbrage with Michelle's critique of it because she was in a black tank top and she had on little jean shorts and she had a flannel shirt, like her boyfriend's flannel shirt tied at the waist and she had big Banji girl earrings and blonde hair. And Adore, or no, I'm sorry, Michelle said that that was more grunge girl than Banji girl. And my thought to that is, and I'm sure this is going to come off as racist, and I don't mean to be racist, but there was a time in the 90s that flannel was very big in hip-hop. So I feel like if a, if Courtney was of a different color and she wasn't a blonde-haired, blue-eyed white girl. Like if Shea Coulee wore the same outfit. If Shea Coulee wore the same thing, it would have looked like salt and pepper realness versus somebody that was on tour with Soundgarden. So I take umbrage with that. I thought she looked great. I thought the look, whether it was rocker or banji, I because she even said she goes, "I've got my bamboo earrings on," and to which Michelle said, "Bamboo earrings do not a banji girl make." I I think that there there was there there was some reverse racism going on there regarding Courtney's look. So I would give Courtney's look for banji girl three, three. 
Noted. Three. Noted. All right. Uh, executive Platinum Card Executive Realness. Why can I not remember what she had on? I know that she was talking into a phone. So I was more focused on the phone than her look. I don't remember anything about it. So I'm just going to give it a two. Because okay. I can't think. Somebody right now is screaming because that was their favorite look. So the fact that I just gave it a two, but whatever. And then her final look, her uh, gem was Ruby. And she had on this kind of like lacy, it almost looked like a nightgown, like a nighty robe with a with lingerie. And then she painted the upper half of her face in gemstones. So it almost looked like a superhero mask. With a black wig, I will give her that because normally she's a blonde, but she had on a black wig. Um she kind of not my favorite look. I, I, I don't think it it doesn't look as polished as I think we've gotten used to with Courtney. So not I, I would not give this this my favorite. So I would say three. Okay, three duly noted. So am I doing all of these and you're not doing them because you just don't want to talk about the looks? I know I'm I'm, I'm secretary. Okay. Do you want to comment on any of the looks that we've talked about so far? Boot. <laughs> Do you want to be more specific, you asshole, on which one you're booting? Oh, so far, they've all been boots, except for a door. Two, boot, boot. Okay. All right. So next up, we have Bianca Del Rio. And Bianca Del Rio's banji look was, it was kind of like a, uh, was she was in a, like, almost like a black, like, unitard type thing, leotard type thing. And she had on a jacket and she had an, like an updo with where she had a bow. So it almost looked like cat ears and big sunglasses. I very much like this look. It made me, it made me laugh. Um, and she looked, she looked cute, kind of swinging her, swinging her sunglasses around. So I would give that look uh, four. Four. Wow. Four. Uh, I'm trying to think of her executive. The executive looks just only two of them really kind of stood out for me. So I don't necessarily remember the executive looks too much. Um, so I'm just going to say, I'm just going to say three. Just going to cut it down the middle and just say three for her executive look. I'm going to pull them up while you do that. All right. So, and finally, her last look, she had sapphire for her dress. This dress is the same silhouette as every other dress that she's worn. It is definitely, it's, I'm getting tired of it. And it, for her having made it th- then... It's not, I, I'm not, I'm not a fan. So I would say uh, that one gets a three as well. So three for her blue look. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then keep going. Oh, okay. Uh, boot. I, that, you know what the thing is? The schmuck in the hair that I'm not a fan of. Yeah. So finally we have Ben de la Creme and Ben, let me get a pull up Ben's. Ben had Rose Quartz. Um, her banshee girl dress. I liked her banshee dress. It was a banshee. I liked her hair. It was kind of, it looked like it had a lot of product in it. It was kind of like hanging to the side and she had her makeup done a little bit harsher than Ben normally wears it. And, um, her, she was definitely serving Bette Midler in big business for her platinum card realness. And it was all pink and black and white with polka dots. And while she got the critique that no businesswoman would wear that, and that it was a cocktail dress. I disagree. I could see of a certain time a woman would wear a dress like that to a business meeting. Um, and so, but the the banshee, I would give a, the banshee, I would give a four. And her platinum card executive realness, I would give that, 
I would give that a four as well. Okay. Um, her rose court looks is very carousel, um, circus girl that rides the ponies with where she did a lot of work. She she stoned she stoned the main piece of it definitely mm-hmm. with covered in rose quartz, and she did a lot as far as a bodice on the back and just kind of the. I don't get the weird slice of pizza in the hair, but uh, whatever. Um, I, I, fours across the board for her. Fours across the board for Ben. So fours across the four, four uh, fours across the board for Ben. Okay. Now right. wait, you didn't remember? You remember Courtney's Banshee Girl? You don't remember? You don't remember the um, Bianca or Courtney's Executive Realness? Correct. Right. Okay. So now I'm at Executive Realness now. Platinum card Executive Realness. Here comes Bianca uh, Ben, which you got is big business. And you're giving that the big the big business Executive Realness a four. For Ben, yeah, uh, maybe a three. Yeah, I'm gonna cut. There. I could see that. But you could you, so. look, look. It's your opinion. No, I know. I remember. I remember liking. Oh, then I'm gonna stick with a four. Okay. Yeah. No, I I am gonna stick with a four because I do I do remember liking it. Hmm. I mean, it's definitely not modern executive platinum card. Hmm. It's definitely of the '80s. How are you sending these to me through? I was text gonna message? show you. Here's Bianca's. Bianca's is cute. Okay. Um. I knew it was something where they were talking about real estate. Uh, I would give Bianca a f- yeah. See, Winona Judd, Winona Judd realness for Darian Lake. Um, I would give Bianca a four. Okay, Darian's is horrible. Mm-hmm. Darian's looks like Darian looks like she is going to a con. A, yeah, Courtney's I do not like. Courtney's is a little too, it's a little too tight and a little too leathery for being platinum card executive. So what do you give that? So I am going to say for Courtney, I'm changing Courtney to a two and I will move Bianca to a four. Okay. So now I have now the final scores. Wait, what did you give? You're, okay. you're giving Courtney the two. Okay. Okay. So that score didn't change. Okay. So according to you. Mm-hmm. Looking at this here, based on what you're saying, is a door should be the winner at 14. Okay. But in second place, according to you, on the looks alone, is Ben at 12. Okay. You have Bianca with 11, and then the bottom two you have is Darian and Courtney. I stand by those numbers. I, okay. I stand by those so numbers. In your, and in, so in your head, Courtney and Darian should be in the bottom two, not Ben. Oh, yeah, no. I Yeah, absolutely. I... I I yes. Yes. I agree with that. <laughs> on the main stage, RuPaul turned the tables on the girls and asked them to name who should go home. What can you show the judges to let them know that you are top three material? I just think like what I had in the beginning or whatever, like it kind of got lost. Oh wait, sorry. Yeah, that's the. Okay, here we go. Okay, can we also? Ch- okay, can can we keep that in just because I have something I want to comment at? What's going on with RuPaul's mouth? What do you mean? Because she's kind of talking like where she's not had bridge work done or something. She does that on uh, when she does. I feel like the table visit she gets very austere. Well, but it's it sounded muffled. It sounded like she had in Trinity's flipper. She goes a little bit like uh, adore. Um, she does. I, I, she does. She's done it before, but she doesn't do it when she's in, in RuPaul Glamazon mode. Okay. Okay. Here we go. Ladies, I must ask, which one of you should go home tonight, 
and why. Let's start with Dela. I think Darian, everyone else who's here has really shown an ability to hear critique and adjust, and some folks like Bianca just sail through. But Darian, I think she frequently assumes she is doing better than people from an outside perspective might see. All right, thanks, Dela. Adore Delano. I feel based on this challenge, Darian. Bianca Del Rio. If it's about this particular challenge, I would have to say Darian. And you know, I'm not going to lie to you. I know. Which is why I'm called a bitch, and apparently I'm sailing now. Is uh, that a bad thing? Whatever, why is Queen. Insult? I should pick your ass just for being a cunt. That was like you're good at yeah, stuff. Yeah, no, that was very condescending. <laughs> Darian Lake, same question. I think Darian. You should really go home for what you have done today. Think about what you did and realize the criticisms. Who I think should go home? Whoever does not lip sync for their life. Okay, Courtney Act. Coming into this competition, I earmarked Adore as being top three. And over the last few weeks, she's kind of tripped and stumbled, so I think that she would be the next to go. But I guess based on tonight's comments, I'm gonna say Darian. So your answer is Adore and Darian. <laughs> what was the weird answer that Darian gave that made absolutely no sense? I think she was agreeing that she should go home, but then she said, "But yeah." But if you go back and listen to it, it sounds like they took chunks of a speech and kind of mangled them together, edited them in a way that doesn't make any sense. And then at the end, she says, "The one who should go home is the one who didn't lip sync for her life." It it the whole that whole thing. I remember watching it. I'm like, what? It 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 didn't make any sense to me then, and listening to it now, it doesn't make any sense. It's just a weird editing move on the producer's part. I agree with you. Fuck them. After the judges' deliberations, Adore was named the winner of the challenge, while Ben and Darian were placed in the bottom two in a repeat lip sync battle for their lives. Ben and Darian went head to head. The song. Stronger by Kelly Clarkson. In the end, Darian was told, Shantae, you stay. While Ben was asked to sashay away, uh, Taylor, any final thoughts on the episode? I love I love the looks, so the fact that this was a very look-heavy episode that made me happy, especially considering the horrible wedding makeover thing. Um, I also thought this was one of the strongest lip syncs of the season that this was definitely one that I enjoyed watching. And even though I knew how it ended from watching the season a couple years ago, for somebody not knowing, it it, it, it really is, it was a neck and neck of, of, of who could have been sent home. I think Darian just eked it out a little bit more than Ben, mm-hmm. but it was, it was very enjoyable to watch. So you could see Darian particularly really feeling the lyrics and that she really wanted to prove that this this was her moment but i think ben was ben was keeping up with her for the most part yeah i thought this one was pretty close if either one of them would have been home i wouldn't have been surprised yeah and not in a bad way like last week Mm -hmm. so it also seems one of the things that i like is the this is going to sound weird, but you know, like like Ben and Darian, this has been this long-standing thing that they don't seem to like each other, and that they've been bickering back and forth. Or Darian's been picking on Ben, or however you want to say it. Mm-hmm. And it just seems like when they do these lip syncs, 
there's always kind of this moment of congratulations between the two. And this kind of goes throughout the, the seasons, with the exception of the Fifi O'Hara thing with Alyssa at All-Stars 2. But they always seem like, we you know, where there is a hug or there is a kiss or there is a congratulations. And I always just think that is a very nice way to kind of put an, a cap on, on a, especially a particular storyline like this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I think they always got along. I, I always, I never bought into the fucking bullshit about, uh, but they didn't get along. I, I was convinced that I, I, the Jocelyn Courtney thing, I think Courtney wasn't being serious, but Jocelyn took it seriously. Mm-hmm. So maybe there was some of that there, but I, I don't know with Darian. I kind of feel like they blew, they made a, a mountain out of a molehill. Don't you agree? I, I guess so. I, you know, it's it's so easy to be manipulated by these, by these edits and the producers. But all we all we have is interviews post Drag Race to find out what really happened between Ben and Darian. Well, that concludes this week's episode of RuPaul's Drag Race Recap. Join us next week, and are you okay? Yeah, I just coughed. Mm. Join us next week and every week as we dissect, discuss, and deconstruct each episode during this very special season of RuPaul's Drag Race Recap. So, for Taylor the Latte Boy and myself, sashay away until next week. Want to share your thoughts about Drag Race? Email us at dragracerecap at gmail.com. Help the show out. Leave us a review on iTunes. It really works. For up-to-the-minute news about the show, follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash dragracerecap and follow us on Twitter at dragracerecap. To find all of our old episodes, visit our website at dragracerecap.com. Taylor has his own podcast. It's called Pod Is My Copilot, and you can find it at podismycopilot.com or wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow Taylor on Instagram at PIMC Taylor and on Twitter at PIMC Taylor. You can also find me on my other podcast, Catching Up with Mike and Joe, available at cupodcast.com and wherever you get your podcasts. Follow me on Instagram at Joe Batanz or on Twitter at Joe Batanz. If, for some reason, you would like to know what I'm eating, you can also follow my food Instagram at HungryChola. 